welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We are here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and I want to give you a little more context to what you'll be hearing over the next few episodes. It actually started on the previous episode with Sean Van Dyke, and it's going to continue this week with Anthony Grass from Homebridge Financial Services. What I'm trying to do is get as many different points of view on the current situation that we're dealing with, from mortgages to uh, construction and trades. We're going to have uh, a broker, one of the largest uh, agencies in the country. We're going to have Tim Costello from BDX and and others to give their unique perspective from where they sit on what's happening right now. You're going to hear wildly different perspectives, some very upbeat, uh, some a little more on the negative end, but I think it's important because no one knows exactly where this is going. And anyone who claims that they know exactly what's coming next probably needs to have their head checked. So today, Mortgages with Anthony. This is one of the first somewhat unexpected hiccups in the system because of how the financial world is reeling from having to cover so many different places at the same time to, to backstop so many things from from failing and continuing to work normally. And while you still can certainly get mortgages, uh, Chase Bank, I'm recording this on April 15th, the introduction, Chase a couple days ago said, you must have at least a 700 credit score and a minimum of 20% down in order to obtain a mortgage from us. So it's getting tougher. Uh, Wells Fargo a couple days ago, jumbo loans, not something that we're going to continue to purchase. We will still offer them with uh, limited use in in a retail situation, but we are not going to buy other people's jumbo loans that they have originated. So there's lots of moving pieces. It seems to be getting tougher. I wanted to get Anthony on to give us a closer look from the front lines. And we're sitting down with Anthony Grass from Homebridge. He's the National Sales Director for the Builder Division. Anthony, thanks for hopping on and thanks for having me on your webinar, uh, the Sales Lab. Uh, Abs- yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk with you today and talk to you about what's going on in the world. Absolutely. We're trying to talk to as many different people who are in different places and positions in our industry and around our industry to really get a clear, as clear a picture as we can about what's really happening. And so obviously, with all the business that you guys do with, with home builders, I thought we've got to get Anthony on to, to try to figure out some of the questions that people are asking me even because I, I'm no mortgage expert. Uh, just, you know, what, what's happening out there? Why, why are rates and terms so volatile? Is it going to settle down? Just get in, in as much plain English as you can. What's going on? That's a great question. Um, we all know uh, about the the COVID virus. We're, we're aware of that. And the turmoil that that has caused in the global economy um, has resonated throughout the United States and throughout our financial markets. The easiest way for me to say this, what's going on with the mortgages out there, is the mortgage market is really driven by investors. There are people who buy institutions, who buy mortgage-backed securities, and they're usually great investments, great return, secured by real estate, verified that people have income and making payments. But what's happened 
is with this absolute shock to the financial markets, investors who buy those mortgages are no longer buying. And so it has created extreme volatility. So just to give you an, an example, why? Well, first of all, why have they left? They've left because nobody wants to be investing in a mortgage with a potential high default rate, right? Every mm. There's a lot of people losing, losing their jobs. I mean, that's the real basics of it. But for example, two weeks ago, Monday, interest rates were 3.25%. Great rate. I mean, historically low rate. Yeah. Thursday, they were 5% at three points cost. I, I, every morning I wake up now, it's just a game that I play with my play, play while I'm in quarantine is I just type in mortgage rates today. And just like you're saying, 5.5 down to 3.2 to 4.4. It's just, again, the volatility is insane. Well, and that's very uh, unsettling, disconcerting for buyers, right? And right now their confidence is rattled, so they're watching this. So what's gone on? The Fed has come in and said, we're going to start buying mortgage-backed securities. And they're doing that to stabilize the market, which is great. And so that's why you've seen normalcy, I guess is the right word. You've seen more normal behavior with, mm-hmm. with interest rates right now, but the investors are gone and that's, that's not a good, good point. So, you know, when do we think this will heal? Um, when do investors come back and normalize the market? You know, the virus needs to abate. It needs to pass. Um, it will, this, we will survive this, but part of that is also knowing the extent of the damage because once people can quantify, okay, this is where we're at with unemployment, this is what we're doing, then only at that point do the investors come back. When is that? I, I'm not certain. I think probably third quarter, fourth quarter is when you'll see, and we need that. We can't have the federal government being the only you know, investor. We need a normalized market. So yeah. In the interim, are you then advising customers just to try to be patient? Is it, is it kind of, uh, you know, you get everything ready and you wait for the rates to drop down whenever that is, and then you grab it? Or so, so is, it, is it spreading out the time that people are waiting? What, what should builders prepare customers for who are, going, who are about to begin the mortgage process like tomorrow? Well, first of all, never try to guess the market. You, 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 you never try to guess the market. Interest rates, even today, if they're even if they're higher than the historic low, they are still fantastic. Take the rate. In other words, lock mm-hmm. your loan, go with it, because the market can move significantly. And if you are like a lot of buyers, you're very sensitive to a home payment and any movement in interest rates, even a quarter percent movement. In, in an interest rate from three and a half to three and three quarter can increase the payment 4%, 5% and immediately yeah. take somebody out of qualification. So don't, floating is very dangerous. And this is my personal opinion. I'm not smart enough to foretell, especially in a volatile environment, what's going on. And again, rates are great. Take advantage of yeah. them now. I, and I think that's a great point in that you don't want to forecast or add too much certainty to what you're communicating to the customer. It's a variation of what Mike and I have been saying for the last uh, four weeks is, is it a great time to buy? Probably, if you can. But also, is that a message that you want to just say, you, know, you, just, you, don't, you don't know where things are going to go from hour to hour, day to day still. And so you've got to 
set the realistic long-term view, like you're saying, I think of that historically, any of these rates are still going to be in a good spot. All right, let's, let's, let's talk about Wells Fargo. Not that I want you to talk about a competitor specifically necessarily, but Wells Fargo recently announced that they were no longer purchasing jumbo loans in particular. And I'm curious if you're seeing that as an overall trend in the marketplace, that, that jumbo loans are harder to get because uh, banks like Wells Fargo don't want to purchase them and, re- and repackage them off? Or is it just their one bank position on that and, and they're kind of unique? Yeah, that the problem is, again, industry-wide. It's due to a lack of investors. You're seeing their pullback. Um, but many, many uh, lenders are pulling back in the jumbo space. The jumbo has a very, very thin amount of investors who buy those loans, and they've evaporated, and they're much thinner than the normal conventional markets out there. So um, is fine. Is jumbo financing available? Yes, it is available, but the programs are are consolidating or condensing down. Underwriting is also becoming more restrictive with the jumbo programs as well. So it's not that they're going away, but it's definitely not as broad, not as diversified in the options for buyers yeah. as you've as 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 has been available. The other thing that you're seeing too with some jumbo is historically and I'm talking pre-Great Recession, jumbo rates were always higher than conventional. For about the last 10 years, conventional uh, uh, jumbos have actually been lower than conventionals many, many right. times. Yeah. Well, you're starting to see it go back to the historic norm. So, right. um, yeah, so you're going to see a high concentration in the national banks because most of the jumbo comes off their portfolios. But with that, they're they're adversely selected for risk, right? Because if you're the only one offering it, the whole world goes there (laughs) and they, they too don't want that. So what I'm basically saying is that jumbo is still available. Absolutely. Uh, Rates from a a historical perspective are still very, very good, but the underwriting is going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's restrictive. And again, it's restrictive because with the economic downturn, you know, we had 12 million people file for unemployment in the last two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. The forecast we thought were three to four. It's at 12. They think it may go to 20, not not being doom and gloom here. But in that environment, nobody wants to lend into that risk because with unemployment right. comes default, right? And, and so and there's no there's no backstop from the Fed on jumbo loans, at least at this point. So if it's not conventional, there's just good because of that risk being higher and the number of folks wanting to invest in them. The majority, yeah, the majority of America is in the conventional space. That's thank what, goodness. That's well, that's what they're going to they're going to support. You know, otherwise, right. basically, they're they're selectively supporting certain banks in their portfolios, which is right. not something they want to do. Yep. Is there anything a builder should consider offering or adjusting if someone in their backlog approaches them saying that they? may want to cancel, you know, let's talk about someone who maybe who's not even scheduled to close until June or July and just says, you know what, I'm, I'm, un, I'm uncomfortable about the uncertainty and, and I'd like to cancel. Have you heard or, or seen any stories of, of what builders are, are doing, working with um, loan programs and mortgage banks to, to maybe further offer to buy down the rate or extending closing dates? What kind of flexibility are you seeing out there for, po- for folks who are talking to their backlog? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, that is the number one question I get right now is how do I protect my pipeline? Sure. And and that's coming out. So let me let me just give you a, a few feed a few points here. First of all, 
you need to ask, you need to figure out why they are asking if they're unemployed or they've been laid off that's way right. different than if right. they have a fear and why is that even furloughed workers if we can't verify their income or that they have their job they can't close their loan that's a way different problem than i have sure. a f- than i have f- fear so some basic things that i'm seeing you know builders are concerned i had a builder i was speaking to that was very concerned about his pipeline and and some basic things that you can do as a builder first of all in your pipeline make sure everybody who is purchasing a home truly has and you can ask for this truly has an underwritten credit or loan approval are they really approved right uh, uh, yeah. basic sounds, sounds basic but you're absolutely right a lot of people don't understand the difference between you know quote unquote approved and truly approved well it, it, you know pre-approved and approved, it, yeah. our industry historically can send out approval letters, but they haven't been underwritten in terms of, you know, have somebody been, they have 20 conditions on them. That's not really. Exactly. So, so, and again, this does not need to be a negative message for buyers. This can be one to your buyers that, you know, we care about you. We want to help you. We want to, you know, work with you. Can we talk about this? Are you truly underwritten? If you're not with that, then we need you to work with the lender who can give you an underwritten credit approval simultaneously. And this is another thing I get are their rates locked? There are, I, I talked to one builder with 200 um, applications, I mean, 200 um, presales in his pipe, and about half of them, the borrowers were not locked. That is very high risk. You know, they're building homes, borrowing money to sell these homes, and their buyers are not locked. They absolutely have to encourage buyers to lock or go to a lender that can lock them. And if it's long-term getting an extended lock, that with the underwriting will really help a lot of the buyers. Now, when you're talking about incentives, you know, there is no broad brush incentive. Uh, each case is going to be a little different. Some, some simple things that I'm seeing. I have one builder that talked about just doing a small incentive to move to the lenders he trusted to get the credit approval and lock the rate. Okay. Uh, That's great. I had one builder say, you know what? I'm going to pay for a lock extension to align with an extended closing. Hey, I'm going to be out of work for 30 days, but my company's going to put me back on in 30 days. Okay. Let's push your closing out, say 30 days so that when we are ready to close, your job can be verified. Great. Mm -hmm. You know, and for example, on a $300,000 loan, for a 30 day extension, that cost of the builder was like $1,500. Well, that was money well spent. That was, yeah, oh, that's, no. that's, a, that's very similar to what a lot of builders would call acquisition costs would be that or higher potentially to get a new sale. So in terms ex- of- exactly. And, you know, having a buyer under contract, that's the best spot to be. They want the home. So, yeah. and some of the other things there's, there's some uh, builders considering selective um, incentives around financing, because you may hear, you know, th- there's also a lot of messaging you want to do with buyers because if they're like, no, I'm just going to rent, there has never been a better time. There's never been a greater affordability right now in many markets than, than this point in time right now. There are many markets where owning is much cheaper than renting. So you want a message rent versus buy. You want a message wealth creation. In other words, mm-hmm. the power of owning a home. We are still grossly underbuilt for housing in this un- in the United States. The the economic downturn of 08 was created by the housing. 
This is not created by housing. We do not have the same dynamics. Housing still going forward will be undersupplied. I mean, there's a great. Yeah, I mean, if, if in very basic financial terms, supply and demand, even if demand drops significantly, we're still undersupplied. A- absolutely. So I think, you know, when people are hesitant, they do that out of fear. So how do we assure them? So how do we create certainty in uncertain times? Your loan is approved. Your rate is locked. You are taken care of. We have financing in place that makes so much sense to you for wealth creation and versus renting. That's the messaging. And so, yeah, you really have to, you know, there's no broad brush incentive. You know, you just have to get into the nuts and bolts with them and, and see what you can do to help them. Yeah. And for sales managers or owners listening, that the main point there is just make sure your salesperson doesn't get overly excited and just throw the individual straight to the loan officer to have those conversations. It's okay to do some of those pre-questions again of, are you, are you, did you lose your job? Are you furloughed or are you just nervous? Similar to how we talk about, do you need to sell your home or you just want to sell your home first? Same idea. Some of those basic questions can probably get, get people headed in the right direction quicker. Anthony, are you seeing or do you know, are VA loans being impacted or changed at all? Do those come from the same investor pools as as other loan types? Yes, they are affected by the same investor pools. The same investors that buy conventional loans also buy what we call um, Ginnie Mae Securities, the government stuff. Basically, Uh okay, so what's going on with that? Basically, everybody who has a 640 credit score or lower on their loan there are no investors buying those loans. So while the guidelines allow, they allow you to go all super low. The thing is, is if I lend on somebody like that, the potential for default rate is just off the chart. Nobody buys it. You're stuck Mm -hmm. with the loan. You can't securitize those. And keep in mind that the selling of loans um, is the, the lubrication. It's the financial lubrication in the market that keeps lending going. And so you, I've seen a lot of lenders pull back out of government. And again, the basics is if we lend to a low credit score, the probability that they will default is very high in this environment with people losing mm-hmm. jobs. I do see that coming back once things stabilize. And I don't want to go back to the jumbo thing, but just as an aside, I did read an article where one bank was saying, yeah, we'll still do jumbo loans, but you better have at least 200000 in cash in the bank. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, that's interesting. Um, in 2008 and 2009, I, I went back in times that I had partially blocked out. And, and I remember that my, my builder had a preferred lender who they pre-purchased pools of money from with static terms or, or locked in rates. And they would basically, we'd have a sales meeting and they would say, Hey guys, we've got 5 million bucks and it's first come first served at this rate with, with this criteria. Does that still exist? Did that ever exist where they're just pulling my leg and it wasn't real? Is, is that a strategy the builder should be thinking about now? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, do, it's called a forward commitment. And think of it as pre-purchasing a block of money. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. Um, it's designed really to protect you from rising interest rates. And, um, and if you spend a lot of money up front, then you can have a rate that is locked that is much better than what current current rates are. So, you know, just a quick little feedback on this. Typically, when you buy that block of money, you have to buy, let's say, $10 million worth of that. Um, and that money is good for 120 days. Well, okay, but you have to use it. And in addition, you have to pay an upfront fee. 
So if I am, and those upfront fees aren't, aren't small, they're one to 2%. So if I buy 10 million, the builder has to come up with a hundred to 200 grand and hope that they have the mechanisms in place to utilize that money. So one of the advantages in 08 and 09 was interest rates weren't as low as they were now. So for my money, I could buy a substantially lower uh, interest just like, rate. Just like buy downs in general right now. It's yeah. Just- well, right now we're at the bottom and buying yeah. down the rate it, for the money, you don't get as much rate buy down, right? You're, you're at the bottom. Makes you total keep, sense. Yeah. yeah. And so what I have, you know, and, and this is, this is me. So this is Anthony's comment here. My biggest negative with forwards is few builders that I've run into have the mechanism the, both on the lending and the sales to really utilize those funds and get buyers in there um, in a meaningful way. So you have a lot of money you outlay and then you have to try and use it. And if you don't use it, you don't get your money. Yeah, right. You don't get your money. So the big negative for me is there's a, there's a cash outlay, there's an expense, but there's not a revenue. So what I've been encouraging, if the builder wants to do this, use that same contribution, one to 2% as a seller credit Create real-time financing incentives for standing inventory. You can create another incentive for pre-sale. And that makes much better sense. First of all, the incentive is still very attractive to buyers. You can lock and guarantee their rates. But here's the big thing. The cost is netted out of sales proceeds. You have a revenue event matched with the expense. And to me, that makes way more sense in this environment than prepaying for a block of money that you may not utilize because you're not going to match. You're not going to have the sales coming in to match that expense. Makes perfect sense to me that, that, and that was that you're the only person who's given a very clear answer on that, that I've talked to her the last week and a half. So, so that alone, you, you've paid for your time here on the podcast. I didn't know I was uh, paying. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. We're sending you a bill. How, how has existing home loan volume changed at all? If you have any in, insight into that and versus new homes. So what the background there for the question to me is I'm watching the general real estate market have a full on freak out mode right now. I mean, agents are just deciding not to work in mass. Redfin just laid off 41% of their agents or furloughed them existing home market seems to be in complete free fall. Thankfully, not in terms of distressed sales prices yet, because people are just holding on and, and if they can, not selling. So we're not seeing yet any type of, of value destruction in terms of equity in, in homes. But the behavior just seems completely different than what I'm experiencing with interacting with most home building companies. So I'm curious if you're seeing any of that in terms of new home volume holding on better than existing home transaction volume. You know, I, I don't have access to national data across that. So I'm looking through my my lens of what I see mm-hmm. going on for our organization and what we're doing. And definitely all purchase businesses down. Um, right. As go purchases, existing or new, you know, we're all in it together, right? The behavior, the buyer sentiment um, is the same that we're, we're, we're seeing out there. I'll tell you from my, from my seat, what am I seeing? I'm, I'm seeing right now, a drop in new home purchase applications of about 60%. That's what I'm seeing in real time. In, really in- interesting. That's the number that you say, because uh, someone else that I'm watching very closely on the existing home side has basically said, and every other market, UK, Italy, China, South Korea, um, transaction volume dropped on average at least 70%. So the 60s, not, not that far off. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. But. No, 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 no. So, so, okay. We're all on this bad circus ride together. Okay.
okay? Yeah. <laughs> we cannot we cannot change the ride we're on. So I'm looking at this and I here's what I see in my world. I see a very large April pipeline. I still see people closing their purchases in April, but I'm expecting about a 20% dropout. Why? Because of the jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in the state where I live, uh, construction is not considered essential. I know. Got it. And so we have we have homes ready to close that can't close. And that's a whole nother issue going on. What sure. I'm looking forward, where I'm getting my numbers from is I look into my May pipeline. My May pipeline is down substantially and I track what I call a seven day moving average, which I think is a great real time indicator uh-huh. of what people yep. are, what people are doing. And currently um, applications are still coming in. That's the good point. Uh, and it's running at the same level as the time period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's, that's where we're at now. I, I personally believe May and June are just going to be tough months. I think yep. as sooner, as soon as we see the stay at home orders lifted and that we realize we have some abatement in the virus and the spread of the virus, buyers will return early indications right now. Um, I've been talking to other other data groups, you know, buyers uh, disappeared for a couple weeks and they're now coming back in terms of online searches and activity. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I'm viewing that as pent up demand. So I don't view this as we fall, we've fallen off the cliff for 12 months. I think it's going to hurt for a couple months, but, you know, people have shifted from in-person sales now to online. And as soon as they feel certainty, one, we're not going to get infected and two, I do have my job. I think buyers will bounce back. And I think that'll actually start showing maybe as early as June, but definitely in July. So I, I view it as like a 60 day, you know, challenge here. Now, it doesn't mean that's an easy 60 days. It just means I, I that's what I'm seeing in my yeah, numbers. And I think that's, that echoes. And I think that's what you're, that's what I'm trying to do anyway with, with all the different conversation I'm having is listening to the echoes and, and what lines up and what doesn't. And I think for most people, they're saying mid to late May and early June will probably be the maximum freak out from the builder side in terms of realizing exactly what they've lost. Uh, and, and the other thing that's interesting about what you're saying is, so our recovery period post post June or, or late June is right around when typically that spring surge stops. And so the other question, which none of us really know the answer to is just like, uh, Restaurants are never going to recover the lost revenue because you're not going to eat four dinners at once to, to replace the revenue that was lost. The question will really be, of that activity that comes back, how many people are going to say, I don't want to start this process and move in in November or December, or just how that seasonality of our business will affect the amount of recovery that will instantly come back? Because I think generally the consensus is demand will come back faster than than supply. Hopefully the supply problems are only in terms of material and labor, not mortgages uh, and, and mortgage availability, but that's that's kind of one of the unknowns. Okay, but, but the other unknown that, that I want you to, to try to look into your magical crystal ball for us on is, do you see rates dropping below 3% without extra points and costs at any point over the next six months? I think I saw someone project that in the next month and a half to two months, they thought rates may get down to 2.8, which seemed kind of like a stab in the dark to me. But but what do you what do you think about that? 
Um, absolutely. Actually, I want to I want to add a little comment to what what you were talking about seasonality, yeah. and I'll answer this. So I think seasonality is gone this year. Okay, right. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone this year. Why? Because uh-huh. we've had a demand shock and a demand delay. Do I think? And how- thankfully, we had a, a whole bunch of demand in January and February. That was unseasonally early. Yeah, and I think I think what we're what we're will demand diminish. Yes, is it going to diminish to the point that now inventory succeeds? I mean, exceeds demand? No, it won't. So I think right. the end of this year is just going to be a solid stream of buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. know at what level, but it's not going to be your typical seasonality where July, August, we kind of, you know, get soft and September after kids are in school, it picks up. I, I think once things settle down, it'll be, it'll be consistent, maybe is the better word to use throughout uh, the end of the year. But to your question about interest rates, this is this is a great question. Um, if I was smart <laughs> enough to foretell where the world right. is going, I, I would I would love to say that. So let me just give you some historical facts here. The market for interest rates fell apart just within the last month. The 10-year treasury is is a marker that people historically use to gauge yep. where interest rates are going. And I'll, I'll try and speak English here, but if the interest rate, 10-year interest rate is half a percent, which is where roughly it is, it's down there low right now, typically a 30-year fixed is about 2% higher, 2.5%. And that's in volatile times, right? It can be anywhere from 2 and a, would be 2 and a quarter to 2.5 based on historical beha- behavior. During this last month, we tested the floor at three and it just didn't get there. Now, one thing you need to be very careful with when you're trying to guess where interest rates are going, go back to my original comment. Who is the only mortgage securities buyer in the market right now? It's the Federal Reserve. The Federal Open Market Committee had their notes the other day. They're buying mortgage-backed securities to provide lubrication and functionality to the system. They are not buying mortgages to stimulate. There is a big difference there. Yeah, there is. They're buying just to keep mortgages working. They're not Mm -hmm. buying to set the market lower. Could they do that? Yes, I'm not counting on it. I saw a projection today that said, you know, the average mortgage could be, you know, 2.875. Great, but I'm not counting on that. No, this is perfect. What you're saying basically is the mechanism that would cause that to happen we can't predict if it will or won't would be that the typical investor pool returns because the fed right now is not the one who's going to try to keep driving it lower. It would have to mean that the demand for mortgage backed securities returns in force before the 10 year treasury increases. Yeah. And it's not practical. It really isn't practical to assume that when investors return, they want a lower return in a downward right, right. Ec- economy. They're, they're not. Yep. And, yep. and the other thing too, um, not to get too nerd here, but with the government stimulus, you know, they're, they're trying to raise $2 trillion. Their normal government treasury auction is say 80 billion. So the difference is 20 to 25 times more paper. They're trying to ra- raise money that puts pressure on it too, because those same investors that they're trying to attract are also trying are wanting to buy mortgage backed securities. So yeah, I, I, you know, not to go too, too off tangent here, but the, basically I, 
you know, if it happens, great. I'm not betting on it. I'm betting on it actually going up. So and to your point, don't try to time the market. Just grab the good rate that that's here in front of you. And here's the here's the point. Rates today, regardless of how they moved in the last month, rates today are fantastic. There never has been more this the, these lower rates where they're at right now, just from six seven months ago have created significant affordability. Many, many of the markets out there, owning is much better than renting. There's an article that was published today uh, that just came out in the first American economic blog where they go through it. Phenomenal. That's the messaging. You know, people right now are uncertain and you need to, you know, but we buy emotionally. So we need to speak to that. It's such a good time to buy right now. It really is. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on today. We'll put links in the show notes if we can find that article as well as to the sales lab so you can check out all the great content that Anthony and his team have been putting out. 